to me, my spoiler men. This week, 20th Century Fox releases Logan, the ninth and final Hugh Jackman as Wolverine in the X-Men Universe movie, and greatness returns to the X franchise. Before we get into any Logan spoilers, though, we'll discuss the future of the X-Men franchise and the FX Noah Hawley show Legion, which also concerns itself with mutants. When we finally get to talking about Logan, we'll do a spoiler-like discussion first before clearly signaling a move into full spoiler mode for the close. The time code will also be in the episode description. So, without any further ado, let's bamf into the episode. Hello and welcome to the Storm of Spoilers off-season tour. My name is Dave Gonzalez, and my mutant power would be I would be able to throw small stones incredibly accurately. (laughs) My name is Joanna Robinson, and if I had mutant power, I'd be able to do birdie stuff with my eyes, but I wouldn't need stupid sunglasses to protect the world from my birdie eyes. I'd have something better in place. And I'm Neil Miller, and if I had a mutant power, I think it would just be the healing one, um, so that I could uh, do crazy stuff and then not die. No, healing power is good because unless you have like a you know an adamantium skeleton or something, you you know yeah. could maybe live forever. But uh, you know, healing's healing's good, and it is the power of our titular subject today, or one of the two of them. We will be discussing. The movie Logan and uh, the FX television show Legion, both of which are uh, X-Men mutant properties uh, that are sort of in resurgence right now. But first, the segment of our show where we get to hear from you uh, through iTunes reviews, which help us find new listeners. Joanna, do we have any iTunes reviews this week? We do. We have several. Thank you all for your reviews. This one's from... Jamie NYX. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Jamie NYX. Um, five star review. A lame little limerick. There's an accent request. Here we go. After years of consuming your content and finishing each thoroughly content, I just want to say, Neil, Joanna, and Dave, it has been, it's definitely been time well spent. And then the rest is not in rhyme. I don't know if I still have to do the accent though. Um, <clears throat> Thanks for doing what you do. I always look forward to listening to your podcast each and every week, especially now that I've been in a relative pop cultural isolation while spending time teaching outside the US. Agree or disagree, I never mind listening to you guys take deep dives into a multitude of franchises and themes, even if I haven't encountered them yet. It's a ripe cultural landscape and you guys are greatest explorers. Also, shout out to Neil and Austin. I grew up in San Antonio. I don't know why there's an Irish accent request on this. I guess they're in Ireland now. But if you're from San Antonio, then it feels a cheat. Anyway, but I lived in Austin for university till 2016. I can't quite make it to South by Southwest this year from across Pacific, but I hope y'all enjoy yourselves. See, there's a y'all in there. Like that's okay. Anyway, P.S. I hope you don't mind. I hope you don't mind that I rhymed content and content. In my defense, they do have different stresses, and if Lynn Manuel Miranda can do it, then damn it, I can try. Oh no, I think that the I I think that the rhyming scheme is okay, but I just want to check: did he say the Pacific? Because he's definitely across well, the Atlantic. Well, maybe he's not. Maybe he or she is not in Ireland. I don't know why. I, maybe uh, Irish accent was just like whimsically. Well, just like a way to say that I'm a teacher somewhere, and I don't want Joanna to do an offensive Asian accent. <laughs> Jesus. Maybe because it's a limerick, like an Irish accent for a limerick, perhaps. Yeah, I, guess I don't so. know. I guess that anyway, makes sense. there's a lot going on there. 
I apologize for my garbage Irish accent. I actually really like the Irish accent. (laughs) Mostly because it starts with, it starts as Kelly McDonald and then like morphs into like, like old school marm. Isn't she Scottish? Probably. No, I think she's Irish. She's Ravenclaw, that's for sure. Maybe she's not. Hey, hey, yo, Harry Potter She's joke. totally Scottish. Uh, never mind. No, it She's really. Scottish, you, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, you sound like her. Irish, Scottish. What's the difference? <laughs> and that's how we lose half of our listeners in the UK every week. <laughs> <laughs> so, Neil, while we've inserted ourselves into Janet's review segment, let's pivot to your segment uh, called uh, yeah. Things Things That We Also. We talked about this We have already. all kinds of stuff to talk about that we talked about already. Or that we haven't talked about. I don't know. I haven't really figured this section out yet. Um, first, some Game of Thrones news, because I know people love Game of Thrones news. Liam Cunningham, one of our favorite people to hear talk about Game of Thrones, because he's a little loose-lipped, mm-hmm. was out there talking to the uh, Irish Independent, the Independent of Ireland, um, where they sound like Kelly McDonald, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he said a couple of interesting things. One, that the final season uh, starts filming in September, as far as he knows. And two, uh, he said, it's July now, I think, in regard to the season seven release. So I wanted to see how confident we feel about this. Is it a misdirection? Actually, this sort of lines up, because didn't we... Originally here, like, late June was sort of the last... We heard last week of June, first week of July. Right. So this um, is still sort of is, in line. Yeah, which is why, you know, we were talking about we could be in Nashville when it happens um, for Con of Thrones. Uh, right. Go to conofthrones.com. Anyway, um, I I don't think it's... A, like, you're right. Liam Cunningham has been sort of forthright in the past. I think he's not quite Ian McShane level, but, you know, he's he's pretty... I don't care. <laughs> right. And uh, I don't think he's the kind of person who would throw out a wrong date. So as far as, you know, as far as how confident he sounds, which is, what did he say? I believe. July, I believe. Right. Uh, I think that's how confident we should feel. Sir Davos July, would not leave us astray. Um, I do also think that it would be funny if they went, if they premiered season seven on seven, seven, 17, and then premiered season eight on eight, eight, 18. That would be fun. But I don't think HBO is that clever, and I'm pretty sure those aren't Sundays. So, okay, <laughs> moving on. Uh, but yeah, so that's the latest on when we're going to get more Game of Thrones. Uh, obviously, basically, we're just preparing for Con of Thrones. And if the show starts, hooray. Um, but before that, we have another live show that we want to remind you guys about. It is coming up in two weeks. South by Southwest. We're going to be on the podcast stage on Sunday, March 12th at 1230 p.m. at the podcast stage, which is in the Brazos room of the JW Marriott in Austin, Texas. So if you are a South by Southwest badge holder and you want to come see us, come see us. Um, that's so far. That's that's it. Those are the things. That's the thing we're doing. I'm going to I'm going to go back in time and really quickly say that if it does debut in July. Mm-hmm. My guess it would be that it would debut on the 9th. Um because the 2nd is like right before, you know, 
my stupid company has July 3rd off as well as the 4th. And so I think some people are going to take a long weekend for the 4th of July holiday. And I don't think they want to premiere Game of Thrones over that weekend. Mm, yeah, that would make so sense. So the 9th is what I would, that's, I'm going to put my chips on the 9th and we'll see what happens. Okay. Um, next bit of news. Don't forget to, uh, if it's, uh, oh God. My brain. I'm sorry, my brain. Anyway, fill out our survey, <laughs> wondery.com slash survey, uh, where you can answer questions about men care products and tell us, uh, tell our ad company, Wondery, how you feel about Dave's, uh, Dove men care ads. Uh, I will say this. I went out and bought some sage body yeah. wash. Yeah. Did it make you feel? Did it make you feel refreshed? It made me feel like men. That's right. Dove, <laughs> so Dove men plus that. care. Um, I was already using Dove men plus pretty, care it, actually, so I, I was already in the bag. I I use the other, but this the new round of Sage I am now into, and it, it's pretty solid. So it, is this uh, a native ad? I guess this is a native <laughs> ad. You're welcome, Dove. You can have this one for free. Um, Anyway, moving on to some X news, because this is episode X, and we are talking about all the X things. Uh, one thing that happened this week is we got some news about X-Men Supernova. I think this is the movie that we're supposed to be talking about, right? <laughs> uh, Simon Kinberg, who we talked about last week being potentially the director, is definitely a writer and producer on this, and said that they are very deep in it, and they are looking at making a movie that is, quote, gritty and dangerous so i have two questions for you guys um one how seriously should i take gritty and dangerous especially in light of logan and two if i were a comic book novice what comic book should i be reading to prepare myself for this sophie turner led (laughs) dark phoenix movie yeah dave oh what comics did you read to prepare for this Crap. I mean, I wouldn't read X-Men comics to prepare for Supernova. I would go back and watch the seven-part Phoenix Saga, followed by the seven-part Dark Phoenix Saga of the X-Men animated series run, because it is as crazy and visually stunning as that story needs to be, and I'm not sure that the original run, because it's steeped in the continuity of the time, which for X-Men gets super confusing... Or I think adaptations since have, uh, say, X3, The Last Stand, haven't quite got there. But I think the animated series is still the best version we've ever got in terms of actually having representation of the X-Men characters and of the Phoenix and of it being a cosmic power, etc. So, um, yeah, maybe not comics for this one. Although I would say that if they're going to hit a tone that's going to be, quote, gritty and dangerous, but also fun then if you haven't picked up the first volume of Astonishing X-Men that Joss Whedon wrote, I think that's a tone that they've been struggling to find in the movies uh, since X2. And that be, would be where I'd totally send Simon Kinberg if I was had any control over Simon Kinberg, which I don't. Okay. Um, yeah, in terms of Dark and Gritty, also, like since they haven't started filming it yet, they have options. And I think it would depend how well Logan does, right? Um, Logan, I think, is on track to do very well. Um, and if you've got Deadpool and Logan, both with R ratings staring you in the face of your every franchise, I mean, an Apocalypse did quite well, 
also. Um, Despite being X-Men Apocalypse. Despite being X-Men apocalyptically bad. But um, the, uh, yeah, you know, the temptation to go R, or at least... I don't know, PG-13. I wish there was something between PG-13 and R. There's a lot between um, PG-13 and R. There's just some lines with nudity and F-words you can't cross. But in terms of violence, there's a lot in that gap that X-Men doesn't make use of or makes use of with stupid CGI effects so you never notice. I'm so glad we're doing this episode with Dave. Um <laughs> <laughs> I mean that seriously. You have a lot of X opinions and I want to hear them all. Um, yeah, but I, I would, I guess I would like that for Sophie because, you know, she works so well in the dark and gritty world of Game of Thrones and I just didn't think she worked very well in X-Men Apocalypse. And so maybe if we make it darker and grittier and we get her like doing some more of her Sansa, I'm going to have dogs rip your face off face, then maybe, you know, it'll, it'll be better. We'll see. All right. I uh, I will hold out some hope, and I'm going to watch the X-Men animated series, which I have not done, but am now tempted to do. <gasps> um. Well, I mean, I haven't watched it since I was a kid. I remember okay. watching it, like, so I know the theme song and whatnot. Uh, okay, so, and before we get into Logan um, and Legion and the things that people can watch this week, I wanted to sort of run through the upcoming schedule of x movies just so that we're all on the same page and uh so that we know what's coming out we have deadpool 2 which still slated for 2018 correct yes and uh i'm uh, actually i wouldn't be surprised if we hear casting uh, announcements from deadpool 2 in the next week and a half like specifically cable which we know is going to be it in it and domino which everybody's just assuming she's going to be in it and we'll know for sure when that person gets cast but some people thought Marina Baccarin would be Domino, right? There have been a lot of Domino yeah. rumors, and there have even been some rumors that the casting of Domino may have sparked part of the debate that broke up the original Deadpool creative cast. Uh, there's lots, mm. of, there's lots of stuff. Uh, we'll see who we end up with, uh, and whether or not any of those things end up being credible later on down the line. I guess. Interesting. Uh, so Kyle Chandler for. Cable, obviously. God, I wish. Really? I think that'd be a fun one. Or, or <laughs> I mean, I still do think it's funny that uh, what's his name from Avatar, Stephen uh, Lang. Stephen Lang was like campaigning for it, and he's actually probably good for it. Which is one of those things that is rare when someone campaigns for a role. They're usually yeah, not I the mean, best I, person for it. I will say that uh, Hacksaw Ridge doing as well as it did probably saved us a serious conversation about Mel Gibson being Cable last year. Uh, because that was definitely oh. before Suicide Squad 2 director position was up. Somebody definitely uttered in the oh. back the back channels of Hollywood, wouldn't it be funny if Mel Gibson was Cable? But, you know, no. we'll see. Oh. We'll see what Deadpool 2 ends up being as a movie. I'm so upset. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This episode is upsetting. <laughs> Hashtag so triggered. Um... <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, the other one that I feel is uh, solidly on the schedule is New Mutants, right? Have they? They're gonna shoot that soon. Yep, starts uh, this summer. It's gonna. They're gonna shoot it for sure. Right. Says Simon. Twenty nineteen. That's the one with Maisie Williams. That is correct. Uh, younger uh, mutant team. Uh, the New Mutants 
comic book team was like super popular, but so were a lot of things in that time in X-Men comics. So a lot of these characters ended up being sort of like fan favorites uh, as opposed to the more classic team if you were actually reading comics in the 90s. So a lot of people are excited about New Mutants. I personally never got into them, so I don't have a lot of like, oh my God, we're going to see Sunspot feelings, but some people do. I'm into it. I, I interviewed Lauren Shula Donner for VF.com this week, who is the producer behind all things screen X-Men. And she's like the Kevin Feige of X-Men. Also, a fun fact about Lauren Shula Donner, she gave Kevin Feige his first job, which she has said in every single interview she's ever given, <laughs> including the one she gave me. <laughs> I had read it like already 20 times in different interviews with her, and then she told me I was like... We know it's okay. She, um, <laughs> she wants to make sure that she every that she gets credit for that. Yeah, she needs credit for that. Anyway, she's a, she's a rad rad lady, and um, I but she wouldn't tell me much about the future of the franchise. She was pretty pretty mum about that. But I did ask her. I was like, well, this this Josh Boone New Mutants seems like um, if you're going hard R with like a number of other aspects of the franchise, New Mutant seems like an opportunity to keep things light and funnier and fun. And with like Josh Boone, who, yeah, I mean, The Fault in Our Stars isn't like fun, but it's, it's YA. It's not a happy-go-lucky you know, But it's YA. So like, you know, so I, I was sort of trying to figure out like, is this the more kid-friendly, like teen-friendly X-Men? And she like confirmed without confirming. She was, she was like, well, I can't go into specifics, but it will be very different from these other things. So I think if we're looking for, <laughs> I, was, I think it's funny because everybody, everybody's <laughs> like, well, this next X-Men movie is going to be different than the other X-Men movies. And I'm like, well, okay. That's technically every X-Men movie is different from the X-Men movie that came before. Right. <laughs> no, but I mean, she, I was specifically asking her about tone, you know, and if, if they are, um, I would put a lot of the X-Men movies in the same tone with the exception of Deadpool, the two Wolverine spinoffs or specifically the James Mangold Wolverine spinoff and then Logan. I think those are demonstrably different in tone and maybe like basically there's all the stuff that Brian Singer touched and then all the stuff that Brian Singer didn't really touch, you know? And, um, and so, you know, if, if the trend we see is the X-Men, going after that R rating and, and leaning into sort of grittier violence um, the way that Warner Brothers wishes they were. Um, but then they're not just doing that, you know, is the thing. They're not like, oh, we're going to out Warner Warners or something like that. Um, and I don't think they're trying to out Marvel Marvel. I think they're just like sort of whatever the best. The, I mean, that's the thing about mutants, right? Is they, they evolve and change. And so it's like, whatever the best story Whoa. for this, for this particular, <laughs> shut up, for this particular <laughs> mutant, that's what they want to tell. You know, she was, she's been talking about the Gambit film and how she wants it to be like a small street level caper in New Orleans. You know what I mean? Like that you find the story that matches the mutants. You don't try, and, and that's sort of what once you know Marvel claims it's kind of trying to do with like hiring Scott Derrickson to direct Doctor Strange or James Gunn to do Guardians. But at the same, at the end of the day, all those Avengers have to come together, uh, so they have to match, kind of match tonally. Whereas with the X Men, like they're not really worried about that. Or as Dave has you know <laughs> talked to us about earlier, 
even not worried about continuity. <laughs> They're just like, we're going to do the best stories we want to do. And, and I think whereas before that felt haphazard right now, it feels like, um, exciting. I don't know. Not sorry. Did I just, no, no, that was that's that's sooner in the podcast. Than I was expecting a thesis. You, may, you actually, good one. you covered, uh, the next movie on my list, which is Gambit. So they're still trying to do that one. Cool. Yeah, she says it's definitely on, and like she loves yeah, still she and I still Channing Tatum, right? Uh, yeah, still Channing Tatum. Uh, it's yeah, you're right to be skeptical though, because they've gone through a lot of different directors. But um, she, it's funny. I was I was watching an old interview that she did for I think it was Days of Future Past on the red carpet, and someone's like, "Are you real? Still still doing Deadpool? I don't believe you." And she's like, "No, we really are." She's like, I'm just fighting to make it a smaller budget so I can get an R rating because that's how it should be done and that's what I want to do. And lo and behold, that's what she did. And so when she's like, I want a street levelized film in New Orleans for Gambit, like I believe that that's, you know, and given that the directors that have been attached, they believe that that's what she wants to do. So, and, and now with like the success that they're enjoying, um, at least with Deadpool and potentially with Logan, I think she's going to get more creative license to do, to go more creative with you just made me want a steven soderbergh gambit and goddamn you for making me want that i know (laughs) don't you want it don't you want it to be all like yellow and orangey and like ugh, could be so good yeah i'm I'm here for that uh okay cool two more on the list uh supernova which we talked about uh which correct me if i'm wrong is going to be more of like a big x X x-men movie Right? That's gonna be yeah. That's okay, core. So it's core more like X Men Seven. Okay, and then X Force, which is the potential evolution of Deadpool. Uh yeah, De- it's a, who's it's a different X-Force? team. Tell me what. Uh, tell me right what now, they is. have a script that uh, what, Jeff Wadlow wrote uh, right before he directed Kick Ass Two. Uh, so it's a pre Deadpool X Force script that, as soon as Deadpool dropped something in that movie was no longer congruent with Deadpool being the huge hit that it was. So they're still holding on to it uh, as a potential property. Uh, it's just now it might end up being uh, like maybe an X-23 Deadpool movie, uh, but like a future team. They're like the, the, the Black Ops force of X-Men. So it's another possibility for another uh, R-rated movie, but an R-rated team so movie like if they the, wanted to do it um, this time. They're like the Suicide Squad. <laughs> yeah, but heroes, not not villains. <laughs> I couldn't not go there. Um, and is this the one that Joe Carnahan is attached to? Uh, I don't know if anyone's still attached to it or if it's just free-floating. Uh, the way they've been talking about it recently is like it's definitely there, but I haven't heard Carnahan speak on it one way or the other. He's one of those filmmakers that once he's off a project, he tends to like leak little bits of what he was working on. So I hope... If he does leave, then we'll get some sort of idea of what X-Force was was becoming. Yeah, because didn't he just announce that he's remaking... He's doing the Raid movie. Yeah. Right, with Frank Grillo, right? But he's and writing... And he's also a, doing the new Bad Boys movie. But he's writing a screenplay for X-Force. I mean, I don't know if... According oh. to Collider. Well, good. Oh. Maybe. So, so Joe Carnahan is writing a screenplay for X Force, according to Collider, and Drew Goddard is attached to Deadpool Two. Well, he's the right? new writer on Deadpool Two, yeah. 
Right. So Drew Goddard and Joe Carnahan are these like cool, like this is another thing. I mean, this is why I'm glad we're doing this podcast is like, this is another thing that I'm really excited about is it feels like, you know, and and Dave will be more frank on this subject, but it feels like for a long time, the X-Men was in this like toxic relationship with Brian Singer. of Like I can't quit you on both sides. And it feels like with Deadpool doing super well without Brian Singer, and Logan Post would do well without Brian Singer, that the uh, franchise is welcoming in a lot of like really excited new talent, exciting new talent. Like Josh Boone was already sort of on board and I like Josh Boone, but like Joe Carnahan and, and Drew Goddard, like that's really exciting, you know, added to like Noah Hawley. Um, sorry for that motorcycle that motorcycle is also excited about this but you know what i mean like just do you, i i kind of say that motorcycle like, is revved up yeah nice. <laughs> um i i you know it feels like you know as much as warner's ha- is getting like or was getting some cool directors and whether or not they stay is another issue um and marvel too attracting these these interesting names um, it feels like Fox is finally doing that in a way that it hasn't before. Am, am I misunderstanding these things? No, you're Dave, not misunderstanding or? it. I would just say let's not completely give them credit because uh, Simon Kinberg was also helping steer the franchise as it nosedived after Brian Singer left and the rat stepped in. So it's, it's technically the same people that are playing with the, the clay, uh, we're just maybe being able to see some pure visions and maybe not like a studio washed out version of these stories. We hope. Right. I think, I think Kinberg is a bad idea. And I think that, um, Brian Singer directing like the pilot of the new Fox show, uh, that Matt Nix is doing is a bad idea. But, um, because I think they should just like let those people go. But, um, so yeah, you're right. It's not completely different, but you've got but you've got these new players that I just think could tell potentially very cool yeah, stories. I think we're definitely so. in a better place than we were when Apocalypse opened last year. So as much as half a year right. can change, this is how much half a year can change. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're not putting Oscar Isaacs under like, <laughs> six pounds of makeup to make him look like Ivan News. Um, <laughs> were you sorry? Did I step on your thing again? Were you going to talk about the Matnix Fox show? Was I? No. Tell me about that. Okay. So there's an X-Men show. Oh, that's show right. There's another on... X-Men show. Damn it. Yeah. There's, so there's, there's an X-Men show on Fox that I believe is about, I believe is about a couple who have a mutant child who like go on the run with that mutant child. I think that's right. Um, uh, and there are Sentinels in this, um, which, you know, and Stephen Moyer was just cast from True Blood. Um, as I think the lead or the father or something like that. And Matt Nix, who is, uh, of, <laughs> of burn notice fame is the showrunner. And, uh, when I was talking to Lauren Schuler Donner about this, I was like, so, so this sounds to me like a more typical, like a more, I don't know, safe or expected TV adaptation of the X-Men franchise we've come to know and love versus what they're doing with Legion, which is just like, you know, aiming for the, for the bleachers. Like, um, I don't, I should not use sports metaphors. I don't know what that meant. Um, (laughs) you know, like, uh, you know, a swing, taking a big swing, let's say. Um, and, uh, you know, and she agreed that, that like the Fox one, um, 
the the Fox Network show is sort of a more direct what you would expect an adaptation to be. But she's like. Uh, as often as she says that she hired Kevin Feige, the other thing she most often says is that she doesn't want to tell the same X-Men story over and over again. And we'll get to that, Dave, because I know you feel like they have been. But, um, you know, she really wanted Legion to be something weird and different and go very extremely different. And that's how she wanted to start, which is why she went with FX and Noah Hawley. Um, and I think that's really cool. I think that's really cool that instead of taking like a safer route with the showrunner for notice um, and on Fox that has seen like a lot of adaptations of film franchises kind of come and die like Minority Report and other things, you know, um, they went with this more artistically uh, friendly show. And and for me, that risk is paying off whether or not, you know, I'm, people who love Noah Hawley, I think, are loving the show. I don't know if X-Men fans are loving the show. I'm very curious, you know? Yeah. Well, that seems like a good transition point to actually talk (laughs) about Legion, the show on FX that Joanna was referencing, which, of course, is based on the comic book character that's Professor X's son who has multiple personality disorder, and each different personality has different mutant power. Legion, the show, very different thing, saying a lot about memory and I think uh, creating a narrative of oneself and as I think is going to be our linking theme of what makes X-Men good uh, it starts with an L and it's not about secretly being gay as both of these X-Men offerings (laughs) are which is not to say it's a bad take on the X-Men I just think it was one that was driven into the ground by Brian Singer uh, to the point where I think there are two tracks of X-Men properties ones that are you know, PG-13, blue-obsessed CGI fests that are about secretly being gay, and then uh, movies that are categorized as risky properties until they come out, and they're really successful. Like, I think Legion is. I'm only three episodes in. You guys, I think, have gotten one at least one episode beyond me. Uh, Five. I've seen five. I have only seen three. All right. Out of respect. So Neil and I are... Or laziness. It's laziness. <laughs> Neil, Neil and I are caught up. Uh, Joanne has a little bit more idea of where it's going, but thus far, I'm surprised that on this podcast, Joanna Robinson didn't tell me that the first episode ended with like a full-on team showing of... When you, when you described the, the, the show on this podcast, you were like, and we don't know if he's like crazy or not. He could just be like seeing things in his head, which I understand is a very good logline but did not prepare me for Legion actually being an X-Men show. I feel like I was pushed off a building right, with like, like a huge what if- pad that's like, don't have high expectations. <laughs> and then I could have, I could have had high expectations. But what if that's all in his head? Like, that's the thing is like, I think, I mean, I think we know it's probably not, but like, you know, when he, there's a, there's a shot, I think it's in the pilot where he like, where Rachel Keller, Keller's character said, reaches down to him and then he flashes to her in like the mental institution back in their like mental institution clothes. And so he's like, is this all a a fever dream that I'm having while in the mental institution or is this really happening to me? 
you know? So that's sort of what I mean by the pilot. I will also say that when I watched the pilot, they had not done the special effects for that escape scene yet. So I still haven't seen it. It was temporary VFX oh. and it looks really bad. So, um, oh, did like, it look really like good? with her stuck in the wall and... Or no, like the, the end with no, like no. the guy throwing soldiers around with his mind and the yeah. explosions. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just him making gestures and then like nothing was oh, happening and it looked like yeah. very silly. Probably different on Yeah, no, end. it looks really good in our Yeah, end. so did, did it look really good? Okay. It was good. like a I'm climactic single shot with a whole bunch of like, hey, mutants exist. Yeah. But it seemed like yeah. very obvious that we were supposed to be like, Oh shit, mutants exist. So much so that the the point you're talking but about is but that's... like right at the end of that shot just to like try to kick us. But like yeah. you should have told me that there was psychic body throwing joanna oh buddy i'm sorry i'm sorry you watched it anyway though (laughs) (laughs) but now i'm like uh, looking up like the dream king and uh like other x-men characters but none of these are none of these are actual x-men characters is that right except maybe the yellow-eyed devil but we won't know until unless you know from the few episodes you've seen that's the only one that i've pinpointed as possibly an x-men character No, um, I don't know, is, is what I was trying to say. Um, yeah, and Neil, are you liking Legion? I Yes, but I'm uh, in the cult of Noah Hawley, so right. I guess that's one disclaimer that I should say. I do the extremely stylish, I'm super digging Dan Stevens' performance. Yes. Um, also, what uh, the girl who plays the lead, not Aubrey Plaza, the... Rachel Keller. Rachel Keller is excellent. Yeah, um, yeah the whole world. I, I, I think it's a really cool experiment in world building and, you know, creating... Um, you know, I, I talked about this when I wrote about it for for film school rejects about how it feels like superhero entertainment is evolving. And this evolution was, became very clear when Marvel started doing basically genre movies, uh, that had their characters in them. And I feel like they've gotten away from that, but other studios have kind of picked up the ball. So we went from like Captain America, winter soldier being like a seventies political paranoia thriller to, now we have these very genre specific properties like Legion is this very stylish 60s um almost David Lynchian you know mind twist and i think that that's great because that is uh you know when you mentioned Lauren Schuler Donner talking about not wanting to do the same X-Men story like that to me is what makes it different is this clear sense of style. And uh, so I think that's really cool about Legion and I'm excited to see where it goes. Cause I really do like all the people in it. Although do you think at some point it will become more like the comic book character where he will discover that he has different personalities or is that just out the window? Well, what, I, um, I think we've already seen some of that, that like different things activate different powers, but you're right. It's not quite like a personality shift. Right. Cause I've always found that to be very cool about that character. Like that's yeah. super cool. I wonder if you can even do that in a hero on a TV show that you're supposed to like sympathetically anchor in. 
especially if like the reality is so confusing around him, like for him to be constantly shifting, would that be too disorienting from a storytelling perspective? Well, and I did read a thing where Noah Hawley was talking about how it's, he's not, he doesn't really think of him as a hero or something along those lines. Uh, they they've called it a deconstruction of a villain, um, is what right. both Noah Hawley and Lauren Schuler Donner call it. And I asked her that. I was like, because um, I think if you're just watching the show and you don't know anything about David Haller, you you would think that Dane Stevens is your hero, right? Because he's got mm-hmm. those big blue eyes and he's very vulnerable, and we like him so much, even though we saw the guest and we know he could be scary. Um, <laughs> So if you don't know that Legion, like, can be villainous in the comics, you know, like this character, would you know that you're watching potentially a villain origin story? And, um, like, her her point is that there's this love story attached to it that, like, this relationship he has with Sid, with Rachel Keller's character, is a potential sort of, um, you know, preventative. They've not committed to doing what the comic book does so they're not sure this is going to be a villain origin story but knowing noah holly i bet it is like i bet sid dies and if she's his anchor what would be my guess and if she's his anchor and then he goes full villain that's that's that seems like something that could conceivably happen. Yeah. that's not a spoiler <laughs> based on episodes i saw that's just if, if we've know. learned anything it's that uh anchoring a per a character a powerful character's goodness to yeah. uh a relationship with a mortal yeah. is yeah. Not, <laughs> not great, Bob. Not a great decision. <laughs> what do you think, Dave? Uh, I'm, I'd be fine if it ends up being a, a, a villain origin story for sure. I think that if you do decide to start personifying uh, his internal monologue as people in a nonlinear um unreliable narrator structure uh that's something that Noah Holly could do without losing me like if it's like each season is this little pod of this story that needs to be told in the order that we see it i feel like i'd be able to ride that longer than i'd be able to do something like uh you know flash agents of shield these more superficial superhero stories mm-hmm. uh especially yeah. if the yellow eyed devil ends up being something like shadow king or like actually ends up being something outside of his mutant power but an actual antagonistic force i think like watching you know damien the tv show would be amazing mutant damien the other thing <laughs> the other thing that that lauren schiller donner said that was either like a slip of the tongue or Maybe I just am not quite getting what I'm seeing in the show. Is she mentioned casting Aubrey Plaza to play? She's, I think she said all, quote unquote, all these roles. <clears throat> so we know this character's dead and she's now sort of like this projection of, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched the first episode of Legion, is now this sort of projection in David's mind. And, um, I would say it's accurate that she's playing like a number of different versions of that character we see like the junkie version and the mental institution version and then like sort of this dream version so maybe that's what she meant or maybe we will see Aubrey Plaza more and more be like um be the changing personality that we don't see in David you know like if her demeanor marks the different states of mind that he's in yeah I th- 
since she's a projection. The way this first season's been constructed, they could at any point tell me that any of these characters either are real or fake and just always have been one of those things, and I would have to go along with it. Right. And then have to rewatch, you know, however many episodes I watched before, which I'm, I've <laughs> never felt a, like a more of a creeping feeling in the back of my neck that I'm just going to be rewatching this series the second it ends than I have with Legion. Because, like, I have yeah. no idea what's real half the time until the episode ends, and then I immediately want to rewatch it. So it's going to be a full season rewatch for me, even unless it crashes and burns. It could crash and burn. Well, I've heard I've heard from people who like have no reason to lie to me, um, like people who are usually honest with me at FX, whether or not something's good, that it does like conclude satisfactorily. It's an eight episode season, um, so they don't have like a long long road to haul, and um, they uh, that that as long as viewers stay with it through the confusing bits, which hopefully they will. That, that they will be satisfied come season end. Um, I also know that, that Noah Hawley sort of, um, changed his mind a couple times on how he wanted to tell this story. I think that's pretty clear from the pilot because the pilot sets up all these characters, a lot of characters that we, you know, like specifically I'm thinking of Jerry John Tanner from Newsroom, <laughs> um, who seems like he's going to be a major character. Um, I don't know what that guy's name is. He's also in the big short. My friend recognized him from some other show. Oh, the new adventures of old Christine. Anyway, that guy, um, <clears throat> you know, he's there and he seems like he's a big part of it and then he's gone. So, um, but, oh, the other thing I was going to say, this is an interesting bit of trivia that I don't know was widely known, but probably it was, was that Arby Plaza's character was supposed to be a man. Yeah. And then they just left um, all the dialogue the same, which is great now that I know it. I, I figured that yeah. out like after the pilot. And then, so for two, like two episodes, I'm like, oh, like when she says she's fingering a girl, they just thought that was just like straight up yeah. gross old man. And now it's sort of Aubrey Plaza grossness, which is much more tolerable. Yeah. Yeah, they just made Wait. her a queer, a queer lady. That's all. Aubrey Plaza is not gross. That's not gross. There's nothing gross. Well, about I mean, that. grossness in terms of saying gross things, <laughs> like crass, like crass. Oh, like, uh, yeah, I mean, me and some too. other guy need wedding dates. Crass, right? That yep. guy was a guy named Dave in that movie, <laughs> yep. right? Good. <laughs> Mike and Dave needed that's, wedding. That's date. it. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, guys. Got it. Legion. I'm just to I'm, be continued. I'm guessing, unless. Yeah. Wait, I yeah. have a question for you. Did you guys realize right away that Carrie and Carrie were the same person? Wait, what? Uh, okay, you, good. The ones that hybrid <clears throat> within each other, the scientist guy? Yeah. Yeah. So it's so the Bill, scientist and the girl. Yeah. Yeah. Are the same person. But you see them together. Yeah, but they're like a... Pro- uh, do you a i'm not sure and b yeah there's a shot if, where you're seeing uh the guy staring out at him while he's in the machine thing and you see her in the background yeah then she's like a projection of him bill Irwin has tried to explain it and it still doesn't make a lot of sense to me but they are the same character carrie and carrie with the same last name Listen, spelled differently as far as i'm concerned they're two people until they like firestorm together <laughs> okay. until i see that on screen didn't we right. see that on screen in episode I'm not three? saying that you're wrong. I'm what? just saying I'm not buying it. Didn't one walk out <laughs> of the other? Did they firestorm episode Yeah, I think, I think we've already seen them walk. What The, the woman what? walked out of the man. Yeah. Physically out of his body. I have yeah. not been paying attention to this show. And some people are seeing I'm it without visual effects. I'm going to go back and watch effects. this whole show confused. again. 
<laughs> have to watch all this stuff again. <laughs> oh, well, guys. All right. Well, let's yeah. move on to the other well, thing. The, we're well, the last, wait, well, sorry. The last okay. thing I want to say on this is that, um, you know, th- those of us who have read uh, any comics or synopses for Legion know that David Holler is um, Professor X's son. But the this show emphatically does not tie up to the film franchise in any way that they are going to touch on professor X. We might even maybe even see a professor X, but if we do, he'll have nothing to do with James McAvoy or Patrick Stewart. And um, I think that's good. I think that's them just sort of like, you know, like I know Dave gets upset about the, or not upset. He wants to solve the timeline, <laughs> the X franchise. <laughs> and, like, but doesn't it seem kind of comic booky for it to not, you know, for continuity to not work out? They're just doing something else now. And that's what they're doing. And they're not even going to worry. I mean, that's what Lauren Schiller does. Like, Dave's one request is that I get her to under, like, help him understand how Professor X is alive again in the movies. And she was just like, basically what I said. Don't worry about it. Like, it just is. Yeah, I'm totally um, satisfied by that. Comics fans totally love that answer. Good. Yeah. Uh, sweet. Well, wait, I, I will say this. I feel like, and this is going to lead us right into Logan. Y'all are welcome. Um, <laughs> I think with Logan, I've finally sort of given it up. And maybe it took Deadpool and Logan. Yeah. But I'm I'm cool with them just making, like, one-off X-Men movies. Because I feel like they're better. Cause they all are the, better. When they try and, and the, make it all connect, it's stupid. And the thing that they've done with Logan and, you know, with Deadpool and, and what they were trying to do with the Wolverine movies um, is they finally unhooked from the Charles Eric story. Um, you know, um, Dave has been talking whenever he talks about X-Men, he, he gets frustrated that they keep telling the sort of like the foundation of the team and the dark Phoenix story and blah, blah, blah. But what I really think they're obsessed with, or probably Brian Singer is obsessed with because of the whole being a mutant is a gay metaphor is the tension between Charles frenemies, Charles and Eric, right? Call it, um, homosexual tension if you want to call it whatever you want to do um you know there's <laughs> there's a reason i think more taggart was in taggart was in matthew vaughn's movie and then like later in but not really ever as important to charles again when brian singer got back control of everything but um but I think they're finally stepping away from that Charles and Eric dynamic. And you see that, I think, in Logan, where you get, you finally get a Professor X that really just has nothing to do with Magneto. As much as I love Magneto as a character, this is, this is Charles and his relationship with Logan. And right. This is Charles and his relationship with his family, uh, which was, you know, the, the X family. And, um, and I think that's great. And, you know, um, Lauren Schuler Donner did tell me, she said, we can't tell the Charles and Eric story again. We can't. And I think that's, that's really good to hear for the franchise. I think so. Yeah. Logan. Hey, yeah, Logan. There's one more story and it takes place in between X3, the last stand and the end of the Wolverine. But I could wait until we've refreshed all of our characters to figure out, how Charles Xavier got his body back and ended up with Magneto. <clears throat> but, you know, 
No, let it go, buddy. No. Also, Patrick Stewart said he's not playing Professor X again. That's, so it's done. Well, let's see, let that's the thing I had to like soften poor David Ehrlich on, on fighting in the war room is you can't Wolverine is money, Professor X is money, Magneto is money. They'll all be back. The only question is how long does it take to, you know, shake the Etch a Sketch before we forget about it? Usually it's like three years, so I don't I'm not even holding out that much hope that, you know, we're gonna have time to properly put these characters to bed. Uh even if Logan is a fitting send off to the Hugh Jackman version of Wolverine to the point that it made me realize that this character was never going to be the comic book Wolverine and is therefore better for it uh, in as, I, as a singular character. I have a question for our listeners on our listeners behalf. When are we going to, at what point in this conversation are we going to talk about spoilers for Logan, which we've seen, but presumably they will not have when they listen to this. Uh, we, we should talk about spoilers right at the very end in a very skippable okay. section. But I, th- I would say first half so, yeah, of Logan. So we'll do is a spoiler open. section. But in ter- super okay. spoiler super section. Super spoiler section. But yeah, up through I would say. Okay. Um, uh, we'll do like a we'll we'll do a, like a a gong ish thing, right? Oh yeah, but I mean, we'll do a warning. First section I'm saying okay. up through New Orleans, Ve- or uh, not or New Orleans or Oklahoma, Vegas, Vegas whatever Vegas. it is. Yeah, up through that I think is fair game. W- Oklahoma, Vegas. Oklahoma. I Vegas. would say through Vegas. I'm worried to talk about Oklahoma in the non-spoiler section. All right, we'll just do Vegas then. Up through Vegas, Thank you. which again means <laughs> nothing to these people. What happens in Vegas stays in the non-spoiler <laughs> section. Okay. So we take pick up in 2029. Uh, Logan Wolverine is driving a. Oh, oh, sorry. Most of the mutants are extinct. Logan is driving a limo uh, in Texas. Crosses the border occasionally with medication for Professor X, who he's keeping south of the border with Stephen Merchant's Caliban, uh, keeping them all drugged up because he's going demented and his brain is a weapon of mass destruction. Uh, they're trying to save up to get a boat to basically sail out in the ocean and die where neither of them could hurt anybody anymore. Uh, when suddenly, <laughs> suddenly a young child ends up at their door via a nurse who reveals that a evil company is making Mexican genetic mutants uh, by impregnating uh, unfortunate women who uh, then have these fetuses brought out of them and these children are sort of raised in slavery. Uh, the nurse has managed to rescue one of them, a girl who has claws like Wolverine, and they are tasked with getting her north to safety. That's that seems pretty good, um, right? That the, that these young women are being like inseminated, right? With with um, mutant DNA. Is that it, or is it like DNA? Well, well I thought it was like the, uh, it's spunk. I mean, I don't think they have Wolverine spunk, but maybe artificial things. <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe they did like because there was this look that Hugh Jackman gave where I thought he was I thought he was sort of like how did they get my spunk, man? <laughs> Well, no? okay. maybe. I think it's more like, uh, what is it, Dolly the Sheep, where, you know, it's in a womb and whatever, sure, sure. but it's okay. not artificially yeah. created. I don't think they've been, you know, refrigerating Wolverine. Just, 
Semen. <laughs> um, that would limit you to just male mutants, and we we want the full range of mutant ability for for these little. That's true. And w- experiments who are who are being who are being created to be like super soldiers. Yeah, and I'm like, sure there's going to be fun freeze framing when the movie comes out because you get to see some of the files of some of these kids, which will presumably have names of mutants on them that we recognize. Mm. Uh, so that's going to be fun mm. for the Easter egg hunters. Yeah, uh, they get a hold of this kid. Uh, this group called the Ravagers, which work for Evil Company, are on their tail, chase them out of Mexico. They start going north. Uh, this movie is actually a long Western road trip movie about uh, yep. dying. So strap in for that. They showed the first 45 minutes to people, I think, <laughs> as, as far back in November. And it makes complete sense because after the first 45 minutes, the themes really kick in. And sort of what I've just described to you is that first 45 minutes. Uh, there's a ton of movie that's left after that. Uh, whether or not it has like pacing problems in the middle, I really think depends on how much of the other eight movies you've seen Hugh Jackman play this character in. You could instantly recall uh, there's a lot in his physical performance in this movie that has been previously missing from his portrayal of Wolverine, yeah. uh, but that does, I think, a lot to justify the extreme violence in this movie because it, it is very violent, but all the violence has consequence, even on a mutant who was created for that violence to not have consequence, which I think is very good. And you feel like I felt the like as old as Hugh Jackman and Professor X when they're referencing (laughs) the year 2000 when they were on top of uh, the Statue of Liberty. So uh, I feel like this... And they're like, that was a long time ago. And I'm like... It was. was I was younger. (laughs) You were younger. (laughs) We were all younger. But yeah, it seems like a nice way to pivot considering we're going to have X-Men movies until they want to stop making X-Men movies out of make a team or Deadpool, which is good, but isn't so much a story as like a stylistic joke told over an hour and a half. Uh, I feel like Logan is an actual superhero story about this character. uh, And that's why I really liked it. And I mean, it's just, it's just pure character. As you say, like this is a Western road movie. Westerns are not really, my preferred genre, um, you know, as this, this movie pays frequent homage to Shane, but, um, which is, which is a Western I've seen, but, um, the road moviness of it, this, the, how small the cast is, it's basically, you know, Wolverine, Professor X and this kid X23, right? X23. Um, and then like, the people who are on their tail, but basically it's a three, it's a three hander for the most part. And, um, that allows these characters and this little girl is extraordinarily good. Um, it allows these three characters to really sort of explore the boundaries of, of their different dynamics. And I thought that was, I mean, that's what I like <laughs> in a movie. And, uh, and that's why this, I mean, I, well, I know it sounds like hyperbole, but this might be my favorite superhero movie of all time. Oh, just like you, you, you do have the mutant powers in it that, that makes it, you know, identifiably comic book, but, um, it doesn't have some of the things that get in the way of other superhero movies really being truly grounded in character, I think. Neil, I know you didn't love it as much as Dave and I did. What did you, what did you think of, of Logan? Um, 
Well, I would like to run down a list of things that you guys have not mentioned about this movie that I think were kind of awesome. <laughs> um, overall, it was is a little it gets a Hello? little dry, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> I, I think I walked out of it saying, "Oh yes, I can see how everyone loved the first forty five minutes because uh, <laughs> the first forty five minutes of this movie are awesome." Here are a couple of things you didn't mention. One, Charles Xavier says "fuck" a lot, and that's fun to watch. That's true. Two, the, the little girl not only has Wolverine claws, but she has foot claws too, and those are awesome. And they explain it because she's a female, and apparently they have different genes because females were like the warriors of the animal kingdom, and they do all the fighting <laughs> and the, and that's just awesome. <laughs> um, three, it's super violent, like mm-hmm. mutilating, like. Even the opening scene of this movie is like Wolverine's about to get carjacked by um, three indiscriminate vatos, and <laughs> he cuts these dudes to pieces. I think I told you guys this off air, but when I saw the screening, I was with people that I don't know, um, and I let out like an involuntary "Oh my god!" <laughs> when that fight starts, and that fight is like thirty seconds into the movie because. Um, like I was like, oh, that's what Wolverine's claws can do. <laughs> oh my god! Right. And like, um, you know, we've I, I I think the way that Dave Dave put it is like we've seen a lot of shallow sort of jabs at people's thoraxes in the past. Like that's what Wolverine usually does is he like kind of slashes someone and they're down. And this you see his claws. I mean, spoiler alert, I guess, guys, but you see his claws just like go through a guy's head. Oh my God. And then like arms come flying off and you're like, oh my God. Um yeah, it's amazing. And you're like, oh, this is what Wolverine could do. Right. Okay. I guess um, this is what was off screen in Apocalypse, right? We didn't see any of it. We just heard. <clears throat> oh, yeah. This is Wolverine tear through all those people. So it's right. been happening off screen for years, apparently. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, Wolverine says fuck a lot. That's also fun to watch. And um, it's so appropriate. Like, well, yeah, because they're old, grumpy assholes at this point. But, but Wolverine <laughs> should have always said fuck. He should have said fuck. We met him in that fighting cage in Calgary or whatever. Like, you know, like he should be. He. It made no sense that he wasn't saying it the whole time. So uh-huh. it's great. All right. Next point. Uh, I feel like we glossed over the Charles Xavier's mind is a weapon thing. Uh, when we say that, we mean that literally if he has a seizure, everyone in what appears to be a several mile radius uh, starts to suffocate until his seizure is over. That's yeah, it seems like awesome. he paralyzes uh, space time around him for while he's having a seizure. Right. But it's like the... It's, it's, it's even darker. Like, it's like, it's like the time freezing thing, but not all the way. Like, people still appear to be aware of what's happening. Cause you know, he yeah, can freeze time in other movies, right? Like, you could just, like, freeze stuff. Yeah. And there's a long sequence of this in Vegas. So it's on, and we can talk about it. Um, <laughs> that to me reminded me, I mean, it's not as fun as the Quicksilver sequences, but it reminded me of, like, the Quicksilver sequence. You know what I mean? Where it's just sort of like this long altered reality action scene um is wolverine less affected because of his healing ability like can he Uh, is he just continuously healing from the damage that professor x is inflicting i think so i think it's more healing that it is strength because it seems like the little girl is also sort of able to resist to a certain extent which would make me think he right 
Healing. Okay, that's what I thought. All I'm saying is that after Logan comes out, the mannequin challenge is over. <laughs> <laughs> um, on a more macro level, um, like I said, a little dry, but I think this is the Wolverine movie everyone's always wanted. Yeah. Like, this is the most violent. And it's funny because I, I titled a piece that I wrote as the most violent superhero movie, period. It was my very Sean Spicery review of this film. <laughs> and I mean that because people came back. They're like, what about Sin City? What about Blade? What about uh, Deadpool? And I was like, none of those films have anything on Logan. Like, I agree. Logan I agree. sprays body parts and yeah. curse words. And so if that's what you've always wanted, I'm in. I'm in with that. Um, I just think maybe it's a little... I, it just felt a little long. I don't, it's, and that's a terrible criticism because that's like, like, why wouldn't you just want more of a great thing? But, um, I think like, I mean, you're right. The running time is long. So it is like, right. And it actually feels long, long, I guess is my problem. It didn't, it didn't feel as long to me, but I can see how it would because I've definitely watched Westerns that I've been like, why, <laughs> why are we still talking in this, this, bandwagon why um and um i don't know why i was along for this particular ride why every single like slow injured dying upsetting conversation was riveting to me but it was um but i could see how you'd be like why are they in another car talking again like i don't understand right um and uh, you know i'm not accusing like neil you're a very thoughtful deep person you're not like you don't have like a goldfish attention span like you, you know like <laughs> but um, but sometimes those things work for you know people and sometimes they don't um, yeah and i think what's weird about it as i've thought about this movie more and more uh in the lead up to this podcast and is that it's one of those movies where it felt a little too long, but I would also watch like 30 more minutes. Oh, for sure. Because if, mm. so, if I go back and think about it, I think about like, what, there's maybe like five things that happen, and it seems like they happen in the logical order that they need to happen, and so I'm not sure what I would cut out, but I would also like just want, I don't know, more in the mid See, yeah, saying more in the middle feels wrong, but also feels so right. Mm-hmm. You know what movie it reminded me of? And I think, I actually think Lauren Schuller Donner made this movie. Wait, talk amongst yourselves while I Google this. Hold on. Lauren Schuller Donner. Also made this Western parody movie. I'm going to guess. No, 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 no. no. It's, um, it's a, hold on. I'm just finding her, her film. 310 to Yuma. Okay, maybe not. I mean, she did Mr. Mom and (laughs) the best movie of all time, You've Got Mail. So, but also Constantine. Wah, wah. Um, But it, it actually makes me think of, I think it's called The Three Fugitives, which is a movie I watched a lot with Nick Nolte. Yeah. Nick Nolte, Martin Short, and a little girl who doesn't talk. Um, and it's about Martin Short plays this like erratic. Anyway, that's, there's no real point to me. It's, it's a remake of a French movie. <laughs> and she did. She did. She produced it. Yep. Lord Shiladonna. Right. Okay. So Three Fugitives, 1989 crime comedy film, Martin Short, Nick Nolte, and this little girl who doesn't talk on, on the run in a road movie. And, um, and then they like learn to love each other as a family. And, uh, I don't know why I watched that movie a lot as a kid. My sister and I watched it a lot. So, um, this movie gave me strong vibes of that. 
And when I was like doing my research to talk to Lauren Shuler Donner, I was like, oh, she produced both of them. How fascinating. <laughs> Logan makes so much more sense now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a remake of the 1986 French comedy Les Fugitifs, starring Gerard Depardieu and Pierre Richard. I think that means The Fugitives. <laughs> You're right. Um, I think Nick Nolte is the American. Gerard Depardieu is, is pretty solid casting. Okay, mm. sorry. Or at least I'm, it I'm was done. at that point. <laughs> I'm done with this sidebar. <laughs> Uh, do we want to transition um, into spoilers for our non-spoiler-verse listeners? Hey, guys. We're about to talk spoilers, and sometimes ads are automatically inserted in downloads, and sometimes they're just streamed, which would change the time code within about a minute, minute 30 seconds worth of time code. So here I am stalling to make sure that if you skip around this spot, whether or not you've been served our wonderful ads, or if you've managed to skip or bypass them somehow, you won't jump into the middle of spoilers about the end of Logan. That would be a bummer. I'd much rather just waste some of your time right here because of safety. The other guys don't know I'm doing this. This is like right before I posted. Just did it for you. I know we need to be sensitive. Back to the show. Want to gong it? Oh, yeah. Let's talk. Um, Yes, I'm ready. All right. So I was pleasantly entertained how much X24, the clone of Wolverine, was given the, the... the facial. Wait, is it X24 or X23? X23 is the X24 kid. is X24. So, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen oh, the movie yet, shit. in Oklahoma, right. another Hugh Jackman shows up. <laughs> and it's a clone of Wolverine, except younger. And while the Wolverine we've come to know and love has like stopped being able to really heal as well because he's dying because of the adamantium on him, on his skeleton, uh, this guy has no problem healing. Um, so take it away, Dave. What surprised you about X24? Oh, I, he just looked like uh, like the way they made Sabretooth look in X-Men Origins Wolverine, which is like the only time they mention X-Men Origins Wolverine. But I thought it was funny to bring that uh, close-cropped facial hair look back as a way to make Hugh Jackman look slightly younger. But I'm sure Lee Schreiber somewhere was like, ah, I know that makeup work. Uh, because it was sort of tying it all together. But I, I like, I, that moment when I realized that was what they were going to do and they were literally going to have Wolverine fight his younger self, I was, I was worried yeah. it was going to come off too heavy handed, but they actually just sort of deal with it. Uh, like I was saying, it, it comes it. in its logical, uh, place in the story where you know they're going to have to like fight each other to the death. And so they fight each other to the death twice. It's pretty sweet. I mean, like, especially, okay, here's the thing that I love about it. And I just, this is why it's, it's the main reason why I wanted to do a spoiler section is I would really like people to go see this movie and not know that Wolverine fights young Wolverine, (laughs) younger Wolverine. Um, And I don't know how long after the premiere that's going to keep a secret. So I hope as many people see it as early as possible. You can't get through Thursday Um, night without that ending up online. I promise you. Right. And so, but I do respect, uh, Logan for not using that as a marketing tool, as opposed to like what Terminator Genesis did or like 
what all of Batman v Superman is, which is like, watch these two things fight each other. <laughs> I mean, that's not, it's not the point of the movie. And like the whole thing is it's like this big metaphor for your own mortality and facing your younger self and all this sort of stuff. Like it's all, it's all really good and meaty and thought and, and thinky, but like, um, it could have been exploited as like a shitty marketing tool and it wasn't. And I really respect him for that. And to the point where like when he stepped out, like, I talk to Dave all the time and he knows all the spoilers and I usually know everything. And then like young Wolverine stepped out. I was like, Oh, damn. <laughs> it's, it's also oh, shit, Hugh it's Jackman. The guy. It's the guy. <laughs> it's also Hugh Jackman. So yeah. Digital I, Hugh Jackman. Well, no, not even digital. He just looks younger. Yeah. I think they might have tightened yeah, his face I mean, like, a little bit, but like not like the good version of what Valley. they tried not- to do to Patrick Stewart in X-Men Origins Wolverine. <laughs> yeah, no, they've they've had years to work on that technology, and it's much better now. Uh, I really, yeah, and I mean, and especially, and especially since Hugh Jackman himself like is in old makeup for most of the movie, so you don't have to like work too right. hard to make him. I, d- look I, I especially like how this movie. I started off really caring about things that I usually care about for superhero movies, like what happened to the team. What time period is set in terms of other X Men events? By the end of this movie, when by the time they're dropping those answers, I did not care about them in terms of plot points. Like we eventually find out how the mutants die, but by the time we find out, it is like the least interesting thing that's happening in that scene. And you're like, whatever, guy, have well, your they, villain yeah. monologue. Let's get back to what we were doing. And that, that's and they also don't go to like they don't get granular with it. You know, like Charles kind of, you're talking about like what Charles says. Oh, no, I'm talking about the, what the scientist says about how he killed off all the mutants by putting things in products. And then eventually those products got sold. Oh, I thought, I thought you were talking about the incident of like what, what Well, they do hint about why there are no more X-Men and that it ended up being Professor X's fault. But that I was definitely more interested in, but that's entirely a character moment. They find the perfect way because that's also the moment where they surprise uh, X-24 on you in what it worked really effectively. It's so funny because there's another, there was another henchman um, that was working for Boyd Holbrook's character. One of the, what, what are they called? Reavers. Reavers. Is that what they're called? Range Reavers. Um, that I thought looked like Hugh Jackman. Like I thought that guy could be a Hugh Jackman stunt double in the, in the mm-hmm. Reavers. And so while Charles is monologuing, I knew that wasn't Logan standing over him, but I thought it was going to be, one of that reaver. <laughs> and then it was like, oh, but it is, oh, but it is Hugh Jackman. Oh, but it's not Logan. Yeah. Well, but Sorry, they have a um, moment where I... she flares her nostrils so you know that she smells Logan and doesn't do anything. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't, so uh, pay attention to the, th-. yeah. Good, good effective work of having a villain that I was not <laughs> expecting. Even though if you were to tell me in the last Wolverine movie, Wolverine has to fight himself, I'd tell you to go fuck yourself because that sounds stupid. Yeah. If you told me any of the lead up to Logan that, that Wolverine had to fight himself, I'd be like, go fuck yourself. I'm tired of this comic book movies. And then it was so good. Um, I also think that the Oklahoma sequence works really well because like you hire someone like Eric LaSalle to play like, you know, the head of this family and you spend time with this family. So even though you're pretty sure as soon as they meet the mutants that they're all going to die, like, you still get duped and like care about them because the movie takes the time with them. And, you know, that's some of the running time that I guess you could have trimmed, but I, I think it makes it all the more effective when they get just like mutilated. And then, yeah, cause when they get killed, it's super violent. <laughs> it's so bad. 
And then Eric LaSalle comes back from the dead using his like ER skills to patch himself up and like <laughs> saves the day and then tries to kill Wolverine but dies before he can. Oh, it's so good. Ugh, you know? Pretty good. I'm I'm feeling yeah. I'm feeling like it's pretty good. I also okay. like that, you know, we talk about like the villain. It's it's just that there are it doesn't feel like it is a single villain in this movie. And I think this is where all the thematic character work actually does pay off really well. It it feels like the villain is is sort of mortality. Mortality. I think and, you're right. And really what Wolverine is facing physically are just various threats. And not even threats toward him. Uh, it's threats. He's trying to protect these kids. And I think that that, uh, you know, you look at the two Wolverine movies that have really worked, which is like the Wolverine and this one. And it's really been more about, um, less about someone hunting Wolverine and sort of more about, um, Wolverine trying to protect people. Although that- the, the Wolverine kind of twists it at the end, but. And that's even true. The first, um, X-Men movie, cause he's protecting Rogue, like mm-hmm. he, him in defense of Rogue, you know, like y- you think Magneto's after him and in turn, you know, it turns out he's after Rogue. Like, um, he I is think the great right. reluctant guardian of yeah. the X universe, which why, why it makes like so much thematic sense to make him literally the father, the genetic father of this child. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, and so we should talk about how, okay, first of all, like, this kid, when she talks in Spanish, and she's just, like, like, just rattling words off in this, like, high-pitched, angry way, and it's just, like, incredible. Um, And and then all the other kids that he meets. Like, there's a whole, there's a whole Lost Boys pack of kids. There's a bunch of little new mutants. Yeah. (laughs) Not the new mutants. Let's Um, not get ahead of ourselves here. (laughs) Right. Um, Most of which look Hispanic. Well, I think um, it's really nice that this... There's a black kid with no accent at all. But if he was raised in the same facility, I don't know why he wouldn't have an accent. But that's okay. It's I mean, okay. Uh, that's... Continuity doesn't matter, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. Don't worry about it, That's Joanna. a small don't price to pay <laughs> to lump in mutants with minorities in this dystopian future and make X-Men well, movies about outsiders and not about secretly gay people. Okay. Well, no, no, no. But okay. Let's, let's go back to that because, you know, something that Lauren Schuller Donner, I asked her, I was like, if she, if she's interested in every X story being different, what is it that makes an X-Men story? Mm-hmm. And she said the, the thing about outsiders, which is true, has been true for decades of the comics, et cetera, et cetera. And you're right, Dave, that like they maybe got stuck in a, a gay metaphor rut for too long. But like, I think with Legion, they're the outsider here is, you know, people who are mentally ill, the ostracized are the mentally ill. And, um, and yeah, in Logan, I was like, this feels like an immigration metaphor to me, <laughs> like mm-hmm. timelier than they meant it. You know, there's a lot of borders being crossed and like, you know, small brown children. So um, especially because yeah. <laughs> the whole conceit of the kids getting away is we just have to get across the border yeah. right, to Canada, which is sort of an imaginary thing uh, in the sense that there's no like a wall or fence or whatever north. Uh, so I'm like, Wait, what's stopping those dudes from still chasing them over the Canadian border? Well, yeah, who knows? Is it like a well, jurisdictional who knows, thing? Who knows what happens in 2029? Maybe like drones come and kill you if you try to hurt <laughs> the children. The free in nation of Canada. Canada. <laughs> <laughs> 
Justin Trudeau's on his like 12th yeah. term. <laughs> Trudeau's like patrolling the skies on a hippogriff. He's he's instituted and he's just a like, handsome. You shall not pass. <laughs> it's now <laughs> a handsome tocracy. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I just I that was the only. It's funny because we're watching a movie about mutants and like creating mutant children and all these crazy superpowers and like the end. I was like, wait, that's dumb. Like. The, How are they not no just Canada, follow them over the border? There's no Canadian Reavers. Lame. Yeah, like what? Like Canadian are Canadians? Okay, so Canadians are still good people, and we're still bad people. Okay, that's fine. Um, I mean, that, that sounds about right. Um, <laughs> no, it, it's interesting what you said earlier about there not being one like big coherent villain, and I, you're right on the one hand. But on the other hand, like I usually hate the too many villains thing. But I think they did such a good job of like starting with Boyd Holbrook, who's, who's basically like a henchman, right? Um, graduating to then the double whammy of Richard E. Grant, great villain always, um, as a scientist and Hugh Jackman as this killing machine. And I, I just think that's a perfect trifecta of, uh, you know, minor villains that add up to be the quote unquote main villain when really it, it, you're right, Neil, that the main villain is, Mortality. The main villain is, is dead. <laughs> hey, did um that little girl didn't like kill that guy to get his truck, did she? No, I wouldn't. Put I it took it as she just took the truck. <laughs> I think she just waited till he went fishing and took his truck. But I was like, did you kill that guy to get his truck? Um, she was awesome. That little well, girl yeah. is the best. She's the best. We didn't talk. I don't think we talked about this a lot in the main sequence, but like. Her fighting, the fighting stuff with X-23 so good. was incredible. Adding a claw to the foot just opens a whole new possibility. Mm-hmm. Well, and having a, a wolverine was small and spry enough to like twist midair instead of just being like this hulking yes. muscle mass. It just, it, so I, how long do you think it is before they rejigger the continuity to figure out what happened to her? I mean, I will say this. I walked out going, man, I would watch like a, not like an immediately after this movie, but like a. The Last Jedi. 10 years later. The Last X-Men. Yeah. Like a 10 years later X-23 movie, like right now. Like, let's, let's find an awesome, badass young actress. Like, let's get like a Sophia Batella and let's. I mean, she's already sort of played that character in uh, Kingsman, but. (laughs) um, Like, let's, yeah, let's. Fuck it. I don't care. Let's get Sophia Batella. Let's make an X-23 movie right well, effing now. How old is that kid right now? 11? Yeah. I could wait six years and just have that girl do it. As like a 17-year-old. Sure, just start now. Make the boyhood of X-Men X-23 movies. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the French champagne. No. Um, like, Why aren't you meeting with Lord Shirley Dollar tomorrow? <laughs> Um, I'll email her. I'll Good. be like, listen, great idea. Um, uh, how do you want to buy a child? <laughs> <laughs> no, that girl is so good, man. Man, um, yeah, she really does kill it. And and I really, you know, it's it's almost like you took, and this is sort of the way I felt about the Wolverine as well. Is like you took like the good actors out of X Men and made a good movie with them. Yeah. Like you didn't have to, and I'm not, this is not to disparage like Ian McKellen and all these fantastic other actors. It's like, I always felt like there was. You're talking about Anna Paquin. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
and Holly Berry and a Paquin who role. completely okay. got cut out of her last <laughs> X Men movie so they could make a different DVD set. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it really did feel like you know simplifying of the process. Like you simplify it, you make. Uh, you know, you tell a very contained, interesting story, have it have thematic heft, and you just use your best weapon, uh, pun intended. Um, and, and I think that that is something that more studios, uh, I think that that's something that Fox can do really well if they want to. They don't always seem to want to, but they seem to be more into it now because you're right. The continuity thing is like, whatever. Um, but if Marvel, it's almost like if Marvel had sort of not done continuity, like we could have had a bunch of really good solo hero movies already. Like if everything didn't have to fit into this cinematic universe, this is the other big takeaway I had. If everything didn't yeah. have to fit into this huge cinematic universe and lead up to an Avengers movie, we probably could have had a really awesome Black Widow movie, a Black Panther movie, a Captain Marvel movie. Like they could have made all this stuff already. Um, exactly. So I think I like what Fox is doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really think that the message they should walk away from this with is stop letting Brian Singer touch things. Like yeah. on every level of life, anytime Brian Singer touches <laughs> oh, something, God. it's bad. That got too real, <laughs> too real. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, you know, Marvel. You know, when you compare it to Marvel, and I really did mean what I said earlier about. I think Logan, with with Wolverine putting his claws for someone's head, I think that Logan, and then like having this like ominous shadow of death hanging over the movie and knowing that the deaths are actually going to stick, which is huge. Um, that gives the film a weight and a darkness, um, that the WB can only dream of with what they're doing. And then, you know, it's not fair because they, they had the dark Knight, and the dark Knight did have that sort of gravitas, but like this whole, like, we're going to do a grim, dark comic books. And I'm like, yeah, but, but your Superman death didn't mean anything. Yeah, it meant nothing. And your Hot Topic version of Grimdark is not well, working. Well, I'm sorry, Oscar-winning versus... Hot Topic version of Grimdark. <laughs> yes, <laughs> thank you for knowing what I was talking. About. <laughs> yes, Oscar-winning Hot Topic film Suicide Squad. Um, you know, looks like added bullshit next to Logan and even Deadpool, which is like you know R for a different reason. But to to be able to go darker than the Warner Brothers and to have and be more creatively liberated than Marvel. Um, I think puts Fox on, you know, Marvel is still the most reliable, you know, um, producer of hits, but I think it puts Fox in a huge power play position that they weren't in before Deadpool came out, you know, like it's kind of crazy. And, and when you think of stuff like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which was just destroyed, I think, for those first few seasons by trying so hard to be in lockstep with the film franchise, um, and then you have Legion was just like, what film franchise? You know, I know the Marvel Netflix shows aren't too concerned about the film franchise. They, they make references, but are not like super wedded to it, but it's still the same universe versus Fox is just like, you know what? We're going to do yeah. us. Well, right. like, I like how you said that was a power play because the way it's going to immediately benefit them is now if you're, you know, banner star A, you're not going to, you know, shelve a, superhero movie that's going to be R-rated and released in February anymore that's coming out in the X-Men universe 
And so hopefully they're going to be able to magnet more than just Game of Thrones talent. Not that taking game talent from Game of Thrones is bad, but more than that to uh, <laughs> to the X-Men universe. Oh, you mean like like Channing Tatum or similar? Or like whoever they're going to cast as Gambit? Right. I, mean, I completely yeah, believe have... Channing Tatum will be Gambit, but I'm not going to call Channing Tatum Gambit until that movie starts shooting. <laughs> <laughs> but you, um, I, I but, see your point. You could have someone, you could have like a big star or a big talent, someone who could get a lot of other work, they would come and do these movies because they're not going to be locked in. Yeah, they don't have to do teams. Like it's going to be a years. movie about that character. It's going to be a quick yeah. one-off director vision thing that DC says it's doing right. but it's never actually did, done. The other thing that I think is super important that uh, that I've that really did start with James Mangold on The Wolverine is and when we talk about DC we're not here to just like shit on DC but here's <laughs> the stark difference the tony stark said. difference um, <laughs> is that these movies that they've made that fox has made like the last 3 or 4 with the exception of apocalypse um are consistently thoughtful about what kind of movies they want to be and that's important like it felt like and my biggest problem with stuff like Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad isn't uh, that they were like grimy and dark or that they were, you know, not like the version I wanted. It's that they didn't know what the hell they were, mm-hmm. period. <laughs> like they just yeah. didn't know what they were. And yeah. it felt like it felt like a quilt, a movie quilt instead of a movie blanket uh, where it's like it's a bunch of patchwork you know it's like it's like you take a bunch of old t-shirts and you make a quilt out of it um and it felt like too many people were having too many things to say and that's where even fox has gone wrong with the main x-men timeline where it's like i really would have just liked to see them do start with a matthew vaughn first class and just run with that like don't mess with like bringing back patrick stewart and like go make a professor x like old professor x movie or make Logan with him, but like just do an X-Men series with the young people. Like what and the that's, hell? That I will forever, ever blame Brian Singer for that. Right. Because like, it's my it. understanding that Matthew Vaughn wanted to do his own thing. And Brian Singer's like, no mine. Right. Now we, that this, have to... now this franchise is fun again. And we've got Jennifer Lawrence and James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender mine. And I'm like, you motherfucker. Like we must have continuity. <laughs> Shared no. universe. Oh, everyone has to be wearing purple again. Like, fuck you, dude. No, like, I love first class. <laughs> if I had to rank the X Men movies, let's do it. It would be, I'm ready. Just to five. Let's do top five. Okay. I would go Logan, first class, Deadpool, uh, first X Men, and then the, the Wolverine. Uh,. Crap. Okay, I would go. Uh, okay, I still like X two the best. This one, first class. Mm. Oh, fuck. I guess Days of Future Past. Even though I don't really like that movie, and then the Wolverine for the bullet train sequence. Um, I would go. Mm, this is a tough one. Uh, first class, I think, is the best X-Men movie. Um, like, with multiple X-Men in it. Uh, Deadpool, I think, would be number two. Uh, Logan, 
the Wolverine. <sighs> pass. <laughs> pass. Pass. Fair enough. Or, well, no, I think I think maybe. Um, I guess maybe the first X Men movie because it's it was the most constricted by its resources of all the things that Brian Singer did. So like it was almost that was a blessing is that they had never made one before and they couldn't do you know they couldn't Brett Ratner it with like <laughs> unlimited budget. So sure, uh, X Men. What happens to so, a toad when I, it's struck by lightning? <laughs> Here, uh, here's a question uh, that takes us beyond Logan, which is, I think that it feels like there was there are all these different reactions, like market level reactions. So, um, the Brian Singer taking first class and having to do another like smash all the toys together, couple of X Men movies felt like a response to what Marvel started to do with the shared universe. Now the pendulum appears to have swung back the other way after Deadpool and now Logan. How do we think this will affect other studios or the future of the market as we go forward? Like, do you think that other studios will start to pick up on this and say, maybe we can do it? Like, I don't think that, I don't think that Marvel's going to stop doing what it's doing, um, because it's working. Until it stops working, I guess. Um, Warner's just seems so lost, but also like so stubborn in their like, we laid out this plan. So this is what we're going to do, even though it's not working. Um, but I guess what I'm most curious to see, and, and we all know like Sony is sort of like, Sony sort of caved where Fox didn't. Sony, Sony did the sort of like, if you can't beat them, join them thing. Whereas Fox is like, we're going to keep trying. Oh, we found a winner. Um, except. Their Fantastic Four franchise. So I'm yeah. hoping that what this means is that their Fantastic Four franchise gets figured out in this model. I'd like to see. Well, Fantastic they just need Four to give that shit back to Marvel. Like, no, that's to giving Spider- up, man. Stand they just need a Spider-Man that one. Stand and fight. I don't know if the no. hill you need to die on is Fantastic Four when you own all of the mutants. It seems that that's like a step. But I don't know. I think. If anything, other studios are going to be able to pick up on this that aren't Disney or Warner Brothers because, like, yeah, these are Marvel properties and, yeah, the Marvel logo comes up before, but these are movies about superheroes that are in other genre movies, and those are easy to create and make a nice little 30 million Netflix movie. You know, like, I don't know, say Will Smith is some sort of cop fighting goblins in no, Los Angeles. No, boo! How dare you? How dare you? Oh man, maybe we're going to talk about Bright this year. We'll figure that out. No, mm. no, I ban, I ban that man. Um, I also, uh, it's interesting that you bring up uh, Fantastic Four because I think Fantastic Four is another perfect example of um, a movie that ended up not being consistently thoughtful um, in the sense that they sort of took it away from. Um, Josh Trank. Josh Trank. And, you know, as much as Josh Trank sounds like he's a super fun guy to hang out with and whatever, um, I do think that he had an interesting idea for Fantastic Four. It just scared the studio. Like, I think if Josh Trank were making his David Cronenberg y body horror version of Fantastic Four, like right now in the post Deadpool world, post Deadpool, post Logan, 
maybe he'd get away with it. And it probably could have been an okay movie because I remember seeing that movie and through the first like hour, I was like, this isn't as bad as everyone said it was. And then it just takes a turn and it's like the worst possible scenario. David will be quick to point out that that was Simon Kinberg who took over <laughs> Trank's movie. The um, future I don't know that it would have been like a good movie or, or it at least would have been movie, interesting. But I, I think it would have been better and more coherent. I think what you're right, like the, the other movies that you brought up, Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad specifically, um, continues to be this, this example that we see of the studio trying to Franken movie something together right. you know make cobble something together out of a director's vision and and you instead know, of just fox letting that director is, make something yeah. weird and what fox is currently having success with with deadpool and logan and legion i would say is letting strong creative uh minds have their way yep and, and it's that's, and that's it's also really rewarding to see that pay off in in a big way yeah so. and in the big screen versions i mean in legion it's really Noah Hawley driving the bus. Mm -hmm. But on the big screen, you really do have to have both a committed creative behind the camera and a committed star who is very committed to their character and sort of, I think that Hugh Jackman may have learned a lot of important lessons from the Wolverine Origins movie. And he has not played a bad Wolverine yet since then. Like he, like just is not letting that happen. So I think that that's Was he super a bad important. Wolverine in X-Men Origins Wolverine? Well, no, that's he a hasn't bad played movie. Wolverine in a bad movie since oh. then. I mean, everybody's just very... ripping Wesley Snipes <laughs> who did Blade in 1998 and turned that into a successful R-rated trilogy. So if we could carry Deadpool and Wolverine on the Blade model, then the Blade model still sound. And that was the Marvel movie that started it all. Yo. Yeah, but like Blade, by the time it was like Blade Three. Oh yeah, I did a reverse know, Wolverine. Like, so like Wolverine yeah, okay. trilogy gets better and Blade <laughs> trilogy gets worse. Yeah, but it was okay. a R-rated single story comic book adaptation yeah. property that was free of a universe. And now you know we're in right. we're in the cycle. We need... know what the secular cycle is. There's five phases of Marvel movies that tells everybody a team is what they need to do, and so everybody fucks it up, and then. We go back into nice little tiny. Ti- I'm just, I'm just happy superheroes are on screen to stay, especially if they're going to start getting good. Because <laughs> it was too long, guys. It's too long. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's, it's very refreshing to see them trying new things, and I think that uh, the genre has uh, a leaked video of Deadpool to thank for that, which I think is really cool. Boom. Mm-hmm. Leaked. <laughs> quote unquote leaked. <laughs> leaked from from as porous as the White House that production was. Um Neil, where are we going? Where are we going in the future yes. on our Star Wars spoilers off season tour besides Austin? Yeah. Um we are going next week. Where are we going next week? Oh, to Skull Island. <laughs> where we will uh be trekking be along. photo journalists or something <laughs> yeah we're gonna be trekking along with tom hiddleston samuel l jackson brie larson um and uh 
what's his name? John C. Riley's beard. <laughs> uh, and we're going to be talking about King Kong. It's going to be the King Kong episode. So we are going to, uh, two thirds of us are going to be able to review Skull Island, which, uh, based on the last trailer looks phenomenal. And we're also going to talk classic Kong because, uh, that's one thing that we have Dave for to tell us all about classic monster movies. Yeah, we can and, even talk uh, about the Universal ride and how they would inflate it to move that animatronic, and they used to put uh, banana smell, so his, his breath smelled like warm bananas. I remember smelling, I remember smelling the banana breath on that Kong. Yeah. As yeah. a so, kid. God bless and I thought it was my imagination there. until I, I, I thought it was my imagination until later someone was like, no, it was actually Essence of Banana or something. <laughs> okay. Nice. So yeah, so we will be celebrating Kong and then, uh, as a reminder, the week after, we're going to be uh, at South by Southwest. And for those who cannot come or afford a South by Southwest badge, because, I mean, let's be honest, they're not cheap, um, that episode will also be in your feeds. And, uh, yeah, that's the thing. Sounds great. We also, this week, have some great content, at least coming from Joanna Robinson, who's been referencing her Lauren Trudeau dollar piece. Is that this week, Joe? Yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. was that annoying? Yes. No, no, no. This You'll is find... the most useful like podcast <laughs> piece to be doing. You'll find it on VanityFair.com, and if my headline gets to stay past all the editing it has to go through, it will be called How the Mutants Got Their Group Back. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I love Where can it people already. find uh... So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Where can people find the rest of your work online? Uh, you can find, I wrote a lot about the Oscars, if you're, which feels like they took place a decade ago, uh, which you can read over on VanityFair.com. You can follow me on Twitter at I Heard Kong Skull Island is only okay. Um, <laughs> and you can hear me talk more about the X-Men over on Gen Pop, uh, podcast. Thanks so much. And Neil Miller. Uh, you can, uh, read my work over at filmschoolrejects.com. You can follow me online at peter jackson's kong forever <laughs> and don't forget to take our survey wondery.com slash survey and don't forget to follow my new podcast plan thing that's coming together that i'm super nervous about at one perfect pod and i'm dave gonzalez you could find my podcasting work at fighting in the war you could follow me on twitter at da7e where i'm just full of sass in the mornings these days before i lose my will <laughs> to look at the internet which happens around noon uh so until next week guys na 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 go see it na 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 found my place and it's me on top of the world i am king kong dropped I hear the chariot coming today. I am King Kong. I'm King Kong. I'm King Kong. I'm King Kong. Everybody get up. I'm King Kong. Beat my fist and chest. I don't feel the pressure. Show the world the best. I endure the pain. Let the gorillas out. Ignore the change. Now all my gorillas out. Now half forsaken me. Finally back making heat. Cooking like a bakery. Now there ain't no breaking me down. Well, my ancestors wish that they could see me now. I'm the best, no question, ain't no testing me. 